as we continue our study in 1 Samuel, there's a contrast between two kingdoms. The kingdom that God established through David and the kingdom uh, through Saul, the king that lost God's spirit because of disobedience. And there's this play between good and evil that's seen throughout the book, a display um, told to us in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Listen to what the narrator said. God spoke to the, through the writer and said this, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the presence of the Lord tormented him. And what we'll see, especially in 1 Samuel chapter uh, 22, we'll see evil represented in the actions of Saul. Evil is the Hebrew word ra. And ra has a very generic definition, and it means because of disobedience in, in Saul's case, ra means something that's broken down and broken, something that's spoiled. In, in, instead of having a life that brings fruit and fulfillment, all that you see from Saul, especially from this point, is destruction and death. I want you to know that in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would descend upon men and women, and he would depart. But for those of us who have trusted in the finished work of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God never departs from us. David wrote in Psalm 51, he said, Let not your spirit depart from me because he recognized that, but we will never have to pray that as believers because God's spirit dwells in us and he'll be with us forever and ever. And so in one sense, we never have to worry about being under the control of an evil spirit that would encourage us to act in these ways. But there is a warning that is associated with this text, that those of us who name Christ can employ the objects of evil in the way that we relate to one another. We can temporarily look like evil before the Father disciplines us. We can be men and women who employ discord and, and hold to conspiracies and fail to honor life, just like Saul did. And so part of the warning as we look at this narrative is to understand what God is communicating through the life of Saul is a warning uh, this is what evil looks like. But also praying to God, dear God, don't let our communities of faith here in Augusta and around the world look like this. Now that we know what evil looks like and what it sounds like, let it never be named among us those who follow you. I invite you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 22. I'm going to read starting at verse 6 to the end of the chapter. Uh, this is God speaking to us through his word. This is his testimony of faithfulness. Listen silently as I read. Now Saul heard that David was discovered. 
and the men who were with him, Saul was sitting at Gebeah under the tamarisk tree on the height with his spear in his hand, and all his servants were standing about him. And Saul said to his servants who stood about him, Hear now, people of Benjamin, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards? Will he make you all commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, that all of you have conspired against me? No one discloses to me when my son makes a covenant with the son of Jesse. None of you is sorry for me or discloses to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as it is this day. Then answered Doeg the Edomite, who stood by the servants of Saul. I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, and he inquired of the Lord for him and gave him provisions and gave him the sword of Gideon the Philistine. Then the king said, sent to summon Ahimelech, the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all of his father's house, the priests who were no Nob, and all of them came to the king. And Saul said, Hear now, son of Ahitub. And he answered, Here I am, my lord. And Saul said, Why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, in that you have given him bread and a sword and have inquired of God for him, so that he has risen against me to lie in wait as at this day? Then Ahimelech answered the king, and who among all of your servants is so faithful as David, who is a king's son-in-law and captain over your bodyguard and honored in your house? Is today the first time that I have inquired of God for him? No. Let not the king impugn anything to his servant or to all the house of my father, for your servant has known nothing of all this, much or little. And the king said, you shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. And the king said to the guard who stood about him, Turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because their hand also is with David. And they knew that he fled and did not disclose it to me. But the servants of the king would not put out their hand to strike the priests of the Lord. Then the king said to Doeg, You turn and strike the priests. And Doeg the Edomite turned and smote down the priests, and he killed on that day 85 persons who wore the linen ephah. And Nob, the city of the priests, he put to the sword, both man and woman, child and infant, ox, donkey and sheep, he put to the sword. But one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David, and Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord. And David said to Abiathar, I knew on that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have occasioned the death of all the persons of your father's house. Stay with me and do not be afraid, for he who seeks my life seeks your life. With me you shall be in safe keeping. Amen to the reading of God's holy word. 
Shall we pray? Almighty God and loving Father, we thank you for trusting us with your word. I pray, O oh God, that you would open our eyes and allow us to see wonderful truth within your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I invite you to enter with me into this narrative uh, describing the events of Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 22. Walk with me and look at Saul as we enter into where he's sitting. Saul, the Bible tells us, is sitting under a tamarisk tree. A tamarisk tree was common to that area. It was a tree that had a lot of leaves and it provided shade. On a day like today, shade is wonderful. I saw people over, over here move their chairs to sit under the shade. You guys are closer today. You, you may be uncomfortable, but when the sun comes out, you, you can come a little closer. Because the shade is wonderful. It provides cool and refreshing. The problem with Saul was not that he was sitting under a tree, sitting in shade. He was the king of Israel. And he sat under that tree with a spear in his hand. Now, it's not uncommon for the king to have a spear in his hand because he would fight for Israel. But he had a spear in his hand because he was fighting against David. He was protecting his own interests. He was sowing discord. Look at verse 6 again. As you look at verse 6, you'll notice that Saul spoke to the uh, men around him, and he said, Hear now, uh, verse 7, Hear now, people of Benjamin, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards? Will he make you all commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds? This is the first signal of evil, sowing discord. When you notice that someone's sowing discord among the brothers, you know that that is a tool of the evil one to separate men and women from each other. Why is that so significant? Why does sowing discord bring such a great dislike um, to, to the Lord? Well, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 6, there are Six things that the Lord hates. Seven is an abomination to the Lord. Let me read it. Uh, verse 19 says, One who sows discord among the brethren. Sowing discord means pit, pitting one brother against another, pitting one sister against another, allowing that uh, position not to be a position of unity and mutual growth but one that says, I'm protecting my own interests and they are against me. So stop them from affecting me, sowing discord. There's a beautiful picture of what's supposed to be the opposite of that and that's in Psalm 133. David said this, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like, it's like the precious oil on the head, running down the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded his blessing, life forevermore. And what God is saying here, that 
He values unity. He values that, uh, that uh, harmonious relationship that brothers and sisters can have in Christ. Saul, on the other hand, could only see the advantage to his kingdom. One commentator said, instead of being a king who would seek to have justice done without the kingdom, he was a king who was only concerned with the protection of his own legacy. As you, as you read this afternoon again, and I encourage you to do this, to read 1 Samuel chapter 22, look for the times where you would see Saul reference David, and he would reference even his own son. His own son, whom, uh, who would be the heir to his kingdom, became an enemy because of his association with, with uh, Saul. Notice even in the first couple of verses, Saul's holding a spear. If you're keeping count, this is the fourth time that uh, it's said that he's held a spear. Two times, he tried to pin David up against the wall because he tried to get rid of him. One of the last times, he tried to pin his own son against the wall because his son made a covenant with, Dan, uh, with David. Here's the picture of evil. It matters not who uh, that person is. Evil will destroy relationships in families, in our community. Evil draws, uh, seeks to draw discord among brothers. Here's a warning for us. Don't allow discord to be any part of how we relate one with another. And I'm not just talking about this wonderful church in Augusta, First Presbyterian Church. I'm talking about the body of Christ universal. Our brothers and sisters who worship a little differently than we do, uh, whose theology is a little different than, than ours, but they love the Lord and they honor the Lord. Don't let discord and, and uh, issues separate us. Let us be a, a family of God whose unity is undeniable. The first scene of evil in Saul's life was sowing discord. Look with me at the second. Look at verse 7. Here now, people of Benjamin, will the son of Jesse give you everyone, uh, give every one of you fields and vineyards? Will he make all of you commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds that all of you have conspired against me? No one discloses to me when my son makes a covenant. Everybody's against me. People want my kingdom to fall. This is what the king is saying. What he's doing here is he's sowing conspiracies. This conspiracy that David is against him. Now when we read the text, we know that David's not against him. I mean, just reading 1 Samuel 22, it begins with David in a cave because he's running away from Saul. He's running for his life. 400 men um, form themselves to David. They go to David and David takes care of them. Uh, he's doing what the king is supposed to do. As, as you look at the end of the chapter, it's a beautiful description of David's faithfulness from the beginning to end. At the end of the chapter, David finds the one priest who, uh, one member of the, 
priesthood family who survives the attack, he brings them into the fold and say, your life is on the line just like my life is on the line. Let me protect you. That's what a king is supposed to do. Uh, he's not working against Saul. He's trying to spare the lives of people who are being hunted down by this evil king. But there's one thing about conspiracies. Conspiracies cannot stand even under the truth. It will not stand because Ahimelech came to uh, Saul and said, David's an honorable person. He, he's your son-in-law. He fights for you. He's not against you. We, we've ministered to him, but we've never tried to usurp your authority. That was the truth. And conspiracies will never stand against the truth. They will never acknowledge the truth. Never let conspiracy be a part of how we relate one to another. Don't, don't, don't use that tool. It only leads to destruction. Where, where did Saul get his idea that David was against him? Well, I don't know, but there are a couple of things in, uh, in the record of 1 Samuel that maybe gives us a hint, and I've already mentioned one, 400 men who went to uh, David for comfort. They were distressed and discouraged, and they recognized his leadership. Maybe he saw that as a threat. Maybe he heard from the people of Gath who <laughs> indicated that David was a king. They actually said, David, the king of Israel. And then they did something that uh, kind of twisted the knife in the back of uh, Saul. They said, he's the one that, you know they, what they say about David? Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his tens of thousands. Saul hated that song. That started this whole uh, avenue of jealousy. Maybe it was that. I don't know what it was that caused Saul to act in opposition to David but he did. And it would be easy for David to say, woe is me. Why is this happening to me? In a few minutes, when I close, I'm going to refer to Psalm 52, and we're going to see David had a certain attitude toward this, but it wasn't one of, of, of moaning that God had deserted him. He may have had moments where he wondered what God was doing, where he, did, he said to God, I don't like what you're doing, but he had a trust in God's steadfast faithfulness. I don't always understand why evil exists. I don't understand why I have to live in the midst of evil, David would say, but I know that God is faithful. Did you notice what we prayed when we prayed what we call the Lord's Prayer? We actually said, deliver us from evil. You know why we say that? Do you know why the Lord called us to pray that? Because he knows that we're going to live in an environment where evil exists. Uh, we, we can't escape it. Uh, but we can recognize it, and we can shun it within our community. So, number one, sowing discord. Number two, spreading conspiracies. And number three, 
a serious disregard for life. Did you know what the king, did you notice what the king did? He said to all of his servants, kill this priest. Don't only kill this, I pointed to you guys are visitors here, I didn't mean to point to you. Kill that priest. Not only the priest, but kill his whole household. That really was a prophecy um, given to us earlier in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 16, I believe it was. Uh, no, 1 Samuel 2, uh, when the prophet of God prophesied against the house of Eli. He said, because of your unfaithfulness, all the priests in your line will be destroyed. That's what we're seeing here. That's what we're seeing happening in the life of um, the priests in Nob, in Nob. But did you notice that when Samuel said to all of his servants, kill those priests, they recognized that that was wrong. They said, not us. Not us. We're not going to touch them. You know how threatening priests can be? There's a description of how threatening they appeared. Look in your text. It says, uh, all the priests in linen ephods. They were threatening, weren't they? Men of war? No, they weren't threatening. But they threatened the king. And all he could see was hate. Doeg, the Edomite, said, I will kill them. And he destroyed them. Here's the point. The end of evil is never life. The end of evil, evil is always death. And it's the disregard for life. Now we see that in our society, not necessarily, not only by killing others, but a disregard for the value of life, the value of our young, our old, those who can't contribute to society. We, we place a value on them in our society. Any disregard to life does not belong in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God belongs a, a joy, a preserving, a protecting of life in all of its, all of its forms. So what do you do in response to evil? This is where the latter part of Psalm 52 comes into play. Uh, Reverend Barry did an excellent job in describing what, what happened in Psalm 52. Let me just summarize by pointing out three of the things that we see in David's life that, that tells us that uh, this is how we respond to evil. When we find ourselves in the midst of evil men and women in a society where evil exists and is even celebrated. What do we do? Well, I would suggest these three things that David uh, outlined in Psalm 52. The first is trust in God's steadfast love. Uh, let me add something to this. His steadfast love for you. That God understands what you're going through. He knows what you're going through. Trust in the fact that maybe you don't understand why these things are happening, but you can understand that the steadfast love of God will never be changed. It will never be stopped. He will never be for you. Uh, he will never stop being for you, no matter the circumstances of life. Trust in the steadfast love of God, even if you can't feel it at the 
moment. Secondly, have gratitude for God's faithfulness. One of the best ways that you can have gratitude for God's faithfulness is look for the areas in which God has shown his faithfulness. And it won't be hard to recognize God is always faithful. When we, when we think about those ways in which God has delivered, uh, e even in our lives, how he has protected and provided for us, us, even in the face of difficulties, had the honor of sharing my testimony um, with um, one of the brothers in our church about how God, even in my life of uh, difficulty growing up, that he was faithful. He always brought faithful men in my life to shepherd me and guard me and keep me even in desperate situations. God is faithful. He will never be stopped. And then thirdly, a willingness to wait on God's providential care. A willingness to wait on God's providential care. We have a microwave oven in our home. It's a brand new one. It works extremely well. I love that bad boy, but it, uh, it's a little slow for me. Uh, you know, I can heat up a meal in two minutes, and I grew up putting a meal in the oven. I don't know if you remember doing that. Putting it in the oven and letting it warm up, and it would take 15 minutes or whatever. Two minutes, all it takes is two minutes to heat up my lunch. And almost every time I put two minutes on the timer, I knock it off at one minute and 30 seconds because I can't wait two minutes. Waiting is hard, is it not? And David says, wait on the steadfast um, work of the Lord. Wait for his providence. Wait for his interaction. Wait patiently for the Lord. He said it a little differently in Psalm 37. I'm going to close by reading this. Listen to this as if God is speaking to you, as, he's, as if he's speaking directly to you as you're facing issues of evil. Listen to what the Lord says to you. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Don't even be envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself unto the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord and he will do this. He will... He will uh, act and he will bring forth your righteousness as a light and your justice as a noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not take matters in your own hands. Trust in the Lord. Wait patiently for the Lord. And you will discover what David discovered. The Lord is faithful in all he does. The Lord's steadfast love and faithfulness will not be stopped. Shall we pray? Almighty God and loving Father, give us courage to be men and women who faithfully stand in the presence of evil. We recognize that our enemies are not 
other humans. But we wrestle against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness in our time. They are the spiritual hosts of wickedness. But you do not leave us defenseless. Grant us the courage to depend on truth and righteousness, on faith and prayer, and your gospel of peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.